folks. Thanks for listening to Common Life Podcast this week. Um, this is JR. I'm recording at Front Porch. Uh, you may hear the sounds of them actively making uh, delicious fresh bread as I record this. Um, I wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up about this week's episode. It's going to be different than any of the episodes we've put out before. This is something we actually recorded several weeks ago. It was back, maybe we were a few weeks into all the coronavirus stuff, um, and we recorded it, and and by the time we got finished with it and it was edited and kind of ready to publish, it just didn't feel like it was still the right time to put it out. So we just said, all right, let's hold on it, let's let's pause with it. And um, this week, we felt like maybe it was the right time to put it out. So uh, last week, you may have seen in the news, um, we hit uh, 100,000 deaths from coronavirus uh, in the U.S. And, and now, lots of us have probably responded to that in different ways, right? For some of us, it's been something we've, we've genuinely grieved, and so we're trying to f- sort of grapple with how do you deal with that much loss in just a few months' time over the, over the sort of sweep of our country. For some of us, I think maybe we've been surprised by how much we're not grieving, Maybe we've been sort of shocked by the fact that the number of 100,000 people dying in just the span of a few months, that that actually hasn't surprised us, that it didn't really sort of change our day whenever we heard that news, because maybe we've been hearing so many numbers and so much, so much news uh, that we've just been kind of desensitized to it. And so we thought maybe this was the right time to talk about, to, to post this podcast, because this episode is going to deal specifically with dealing with the topic of death as people who follow Jesus. So what does it look like as people who've been transformed by the gospel to deal with this idea of death? Uh, I'll let you know, this isn't a conversation with me and Austin or, you know, Natalie or Brittany or Tyler or any of the folks who've been in the conversation with us in the past. This is just me sort of doing a reflection on this idea of death and following Jesus. It's going to be kind of slow. There's some music with this, with it. It's pretty short compared to our other episodes. You're looking at probably about uh, 12 minutes from here until, until you're all, all the way done. So here's what I would encourage you to do. If you've got the time, if you've got the space, find yourself a quiet 15 minutes sit somewhere still, maybe grab a cup of coffee or tea or whatever, and just sit and be with this. Like just sort of let things kind of slow down and just hear this and see how you respond to it. Maybe you leave yourself a little bit of time to pray afterwards. Now my words, you know, take them or leave them. I, I hope that they're going to be helpful. I hope, but I hope there's some gospel truth in here, at least the, the scriptures that are talked about in this, that'll be helpful, that'll be um, edifying, that'll be, you know, encouraging to you during this time as we deal with a really heavy topic. Now, uh, because we are dealing with a heavy topic, we're dealing with the idea of death and and we talk about it you know, throughout this, this little reflection, I would encourage you, if you normally listen to the podcast with your kids around, uh, you might want to just give it a listen uh, before uh, you play it for everybody. So uh, that's all I would say. Now, hope you enjoy the episode, hope it's helpful to you, and hope that you have a great week. Thanks for listening. At the turn of the 20th century, San Francisco had a death problem. More specifically, they had a graveyard problem. Culture was changing and those in power felt that previous generations had been far too serious about funerals and way too comfortable with displaying death. So, according to an essay by by Joseph Bottom called Death and Politics, San Francisco decided to deal with their death problem. They decided to kick death out of the city. In 1900, a city ordinance was passed prohibiting burials within city limits. Four years later, the city council sent notices to all existing cemeteries that all burial sites would need to be removed 
declaring them a public nuisance and a menace and a detriment to the health and welfare of the city's inhabitants. By 1937, all the graveyards in the city were gone. This is a single story in a single city, but the trend is felt everywhere. According to the National Institutes of Health, back in 1950, a little more than 50% of all deaths occurred in homes. This meant that people encountered death in a visceral way. Children were exposed to dying right where they lived. Families couldn't help but face death, talk about it, pray for God to help them deal with it. By the 90s, around 80% of all deaths occurred in a hospital or nursing home. America had changed, and so has the way we deal with death. Think about the way we talk about death. We say someone passed away or that we lost a loved one. Someone recently pointed out that you can't really even find a bereavement card in the grocery store with the word death anywhere in the card. Death is something we don't want to deal with. We don't want to be near it. We don't want to talk about it. Even when it happens, we hesitate to call it what it is. Obviously, there are some exceptions. Some of us haven't had the luxury of distancing ourselves from death. For some of us, death burst right into our lives before we had a chance to object. But our culture has done everything it can to avoid dealing with death. This hasn't just been accomplished by ignoring the issue. Society has also found ways of limiting the threats and causes of death that were once insurmountable. Advances in technology and medical science have given our culture the ability to do away with some of the dangers of the past. We've discovered new cures, adopted better precautions, found treatments that can prolong the lives of those whose diagnosis in centuries past would have meant imminent death. While these advances are surely to be celebrated, they have also contributed to our inability to deal with death. As one theologian said, the primary way we have come to deal with the problem of fear in the course of modernity is by seeking to eliminate dangers, the external sources of fear. In contrast, through most of human history, the way people dealt with danger and fear was by cultivating courage to face dangers that could not be eliminated. Ancient societies had few resources, knowledge, technical know-how, perhaps wealth. They had few such resources to work on eliminating dangers. They felt impotent the request to many dangers. Prime example being pandemics like Black Death. Said another way, whereas our ancestors had to accept the danger of disease and death for what it was and learn to cope, many of us have placed our hope in a false sense of safety created by having the ability to eliminate many of the dangers in our lives. We have tried to live our lives as though death would never be a problem. We have managed to create this bubble where most of the time we can deceive ourselves into thinking we are immortal. Recently though, the deception hasn't been working. The effects of the coronavirus pandemic have been felt around the world and right next door. News has been a non-stop barrage of scary statistics and terrifying on-scene reports from China, Italy, or New York. Businesses are shut down. We're all supposed to be staying in our homes. When we do walk outside, it's not uncommon to see people wearing masks or gloves. It's been just a few weeks, but America has changed again. Disease and death are no longer something we can keep at a distance. They are everywhere we look. The temptation is to turn away 
right? To turn on Netflix or scroll through our phone one more time or bake one more loaf of bread. That's a personal confession. But is that what we're called to do as followers of Jesus? Think about the scriptures. The Psalms deal with death head on. Sometime soon, take a few moments to read the Psalms of Lament. Perhaps turn to Psalm 42 or 43. Or consider the most famous psalm of all time, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Or think about how Jesus approached his own death. We were just reminded of his death and resurrection this past week as we celebrated Easter. Jesus knew his death was coming. He warned his disciples of it often. And yet, when it was his time, Luke 9 says that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. Think about how Paul talks about death in his letter to the Philippians. Not with fear or anxiety. It's not apparent that he feels any discomfort with the topic. He talks about it soberly, calmly, as though he knows it's coming for him. Perhaps soon, but it seems to have no hold on him. There's something going on in him that keeps death from being something to obsess about, to feel anxious about, or to run from at all cost. What is it? How is it that Paul is able to face the prospect of death with some measure of peace and objectivity? Look at what he says in a couple of places in that letter. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored with my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul sees something to be gained in death. There's something beyond death for him, something that has overcome his anxiety and discomfort and thinking of the end of his life. What is it that he sees there is to gain in death? Look again at his letter from Philippians 3. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What is there to gain in death? Resurrection. It's resurrection that has changed everything for Paul. Resurrection from the dead. Think back again to Jesus. How could he set his face so committedly, so resolutely towards Jerusalem, knowing that he was going to die? Look at Hebrews. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As Christians, there is joy set before us in resurrection. We have hope beyond death. We are not paralyzed. We are not firmly in its grasp. In fact, we will be clutched from its fingers at the moment of our death. We can respond to the threat of death, to the threat of disease, in a way that others are not able. 
We don't have to be paralyzed by fear. We don't have to look away to avoid, to run from the prospect of death, to deal with the suffering around us. Instead, we can cling to hope in the faith of death, face of death. Now, this doesn't neuter our grief or make us impervious to the suffering around us. Think of Jesus, John 11, whenever he understands that Lazarus has died, what does Jesus do? Jesus knowing what he's capable of, Jesus knowing that he's able to raise Lazarus from the dead, what does Jesus do? Jesus wept. The fact that we cling to hope beyond death, the fact that we have the promise of resurrection to a new life, doesn't rob us of the ability to grieve or to weep with those who weep. Instead, it fortifies our suffering. It gives us the strength to endure. It helps us to have a resilient hope, knowing that our God is steadfast and his promises are faithful. Not only that, our hope in the resurrection actually can fuel our ability to serve others. It can fuel our mission. Knowing that we don't need to protect or guard ourselves at all cost, we can be fueled to serve others selflessly. Martin Luther, who dealt with his own pandemic in his own time in dealing with the Black, Black Death, received a letter from another pastor asking if it would be wise for the pastors to flee the city to find places that might be more protected from the Black Death. In part of his letter, Luther responded, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, that is clean, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to become contaminated and thus perchance infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely, as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy, nor does it tempt God. We can love our neighbor by the same actions that protect our own lives, recognizing that our life and theirs is a gift from God. When called to serve, we can serve as responsibly as possible, knowing that our hope is not here, but is sealed by the raised, raised life of Jesus. We don't have to avoid death or hide from it. On the flip side, we don't have to be consumed by it or obsess over it, but we can face it full on, enduring what is coming for the joy set before us. By the power of the resurrection, which has sealed our own hope, we can know the true promises of that famous psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.